Good afternoon, Average Joe's podcast listeners. My name is Mike Van Ehrman, your host, along with my co-host, Sam Hiller. This is going to be part one of a two-part episode. Uh, Part one is going to be completely dedicated to doing recaps of matches that have been recently played in the league, including the Battle of the Brown Line, the Battle of the Valleys, and the MSU Spartan Invite. Uh, Part two is coming later. It will be dedicated to uh, rule and procedure changes within the league and a possible new standings uh, formula. Did you know Average Joe's is the place where Steve the Pirate gets all his game recaps from? Joe's be the only place for Steve. So the first tournament we're going to talk about today is the BGSU tournament. Uh, GVSU went 3-0. Central Michigan went 2-1 with only 10 men. Saginaw Valley went 2-1. Uh, and Bowling Green and Miami both went 0-2. This is the first tournament of the year for Grand Valley, Central Michigan, Bowling Green, and Miami. I thought they all had decent results. Uh, we'll start with BGSU in Miami. Um, Bowling Green had uh, good results. Yeah, they did lose to a 10-man central. So did Miami. We actually just probably talk about these teams at the same time because their results were so similar. Um, and they ended up scrimmaging each other at the end. Uh, we'll talk about BGC more in depth at the invite section. Mm-hmm. But uh, what would you take away from their results from this tournament? Well... Miami has been a team, again, last year when we played them at Nationals, uh, they got uh, ravaged by injuries a couple times. So uh, I thought that they had, they definitely had some talent, but, you know, they, they weren't 100% healthy. Um, having said that, even though they had a good amount of talent, I didn't think that they worked cohesively enough. I think that they were just trying to keep pace with a lot of the teams that, that had the firepower, like a Grand Valley, like a Saginaw Valley. Um, when they go up against teams that have a lot of firepower, you know they they appeared to get a little frazzled. Um, so I wasn't particularly surprised with the results, um, especially from those couple of games. Uh, BGSU was one of those teams that uh, I would pick. I would have picked to beat Miami uh, as well, but again, that was just a scrimmage, so uh, that doesn't get reflected in the standings at all. I'm actually kind of surprised about Bowling Green and Miami. Um... They lost to Central, and Central's a great team, even with only 10 men. We'll also get into more detail with them in a little bit. But um, Miami, I thought last year, you look at their the Nationals record. Mm-hmm. Okay, they didn't play day two because they forfeited the first match against Saginaw Valley. But you look at their Nationals record, first game, wisconsin Platteville, 3-2 to two loss. Second game, James Madison, 3-2 to two loss. Third game, Michigan State, 3-2 to two loss. Those are three pretty decent teams, I would say. I mean, um, James Madison and Michigan State are both – probably top six, top seven schools. And Wisconsin Platteville is not as such either. They'd be up there if they would play more than outside of nationals. But um, I was surprised that they didn't beat Central just because Central only had 10 men. But it just shows you the strength of the the men that the Chippewas brought. And then Bowling Green has, you know, we'll go into more detail, but I thought that I was kind of not decently, not happily surprised. Um with the fact with all the players they lost, uh, they're still a good team. But right now they're kind of relying on Brady Edsler a lot for their power. Um, but they did have some good catchers. So uh, we'll also talk about them more in a little bit. So um, what else you got to think about this? Oh, well, this tournament was, was def- definitely interesting because it features – Historically, in the last three years, let's see, last year was Saginaw, the year before was Central, the year before winning the whole thing. Um, the year before that, I believe, was 
Grand Valley. That's before my time, but I, I believe it's Grand Valley. So you've got three of the last um, three of the three of the last winners of the entire league, and then two teams who are who have talent, but they're but they're still trying to make a name for themselves. They're still trying to establish themselves as one of the teams that that our people are going to say, oh, you know, we got we really got to play our best when we're when we're going to play them to beat them. So it was it was definitely a tough field. It's probably one of the most talented fields that's going to be in any tournament um, this year. So, you know, going 0-2, there's not particularly any shame in going 0-2, especially when you're playing up against elite talent like that. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, I just thought they could pull out maybe a win or a little better results, but there's definitely no shame in losing right. to the three teams they lost to. Saginaw Valley went 2-1. Uh, I believe they beat the two Ohio schools and then lost to Grand Valley. But they took the first point from Grand Valley, which really impressed me. And we'll say that I was even more impressed later on in this, right, with the right, result right. that they got. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> Saginaw Valley, they get Spencer back. They start playing a little better. Um, I'm not saying that Spencer's the whole team. I felt kind of back at last podcast kind of made it seem like without Spencer they were lost. Right. Because without Spencer, they still force overtime on Kent State, who's the number one team in the country. But he, it, it, it definitely helps to have him back. I mean, it's not like it's not like he's, you know, I mean, he's the unquestioned leader on that team. He's their best player. It's not like, you know, it, he doesn't completely make them go. The team doesn't entirely revolve around him, but, but he's sort of their field general, essentially. Definitely. Um so that was those are good results for the Cardinals. Uh, after this tournament, they moved into first place in their region, which is always huge. Uh, they're not there anymore, but moving into when you look at the standings, the way it is currently now, as weird as the standings work for us, um, being first in the country is awesome for Saturday or for Sunday nationals. But when you uh, look at the Saturday bracket, you want to be first in your region so you can avoid playing. You know, if you're Central Michigan or if you're, I don't know, say Central Michigan ends up fourth in the region. I'm not saying they're going to, but I'm just making this as an example. Or say Michigan State finishes fourth in the region. It doesn't matter. Then all of a sudden, instead of being first in the region, like Grand Valley or Saginaw Valley are, where they're playing average school, average school, bad school, they're playing like the fourth seed in your region is going to play good school, average school, average school. Right. So they could be a really good school, but they're going to be playing – Kent State or Kentucky or somebody right off the bat on Sunday or Saturday, which can really hurt their chances on Sunday. Well, and even if they come away with some wins, you know, even if we came away with wins, if we were the fourth seed um, in our region, I mean, we're going to be shot. I mean, our arm. I mean, these are going to be hard fought games. So even if Michigan State would come away with a win as a fourth seed in the region. Uh, those are going to be hard-fought games. I know my arm would be dead after three games against, you know, a Kentucky, a Saginaw Valley, a Grand Valley. Those are going to be extremely hard-fought games. And come Sunday, you know, you're going to play one game and your arm's going to want to fall off. So it, it's, there's definitely a lot of value in, in taking down teams in your region, um, even more so than, you know, than a team outside of your region. Uh, like for us, playing James Madison, obviously we want to beat them, but there's a little bit more at stake when we play someone like Central or Grand Valley. All right, so Central, uh, you just said them. Uh, we'll talk about them now. So they had 10 players. They still had a 2 and 1. They still took a point from Grand Valley. Um, What's that final? I think it was 7, seven to 1. 7 to 1. 7 to 1. But still, taking a point when you only had 10 players against one of the best schools in the country is. 
pretty impressive. Right, exactly. Um, and and one of the things that uh, that that Michigan State's team mentioned within within ourselves was that Central, you know, a lot of teams will bring 15 players and they'll be 15 good average players, um, but Central brought you know 10 above average players. I mean. Bryce's arm was, I believe, hurting him, or his shoulder was hurting him a little bit, so he wasn't throwing as hard as he, as he normally does. But I mean, they, I mean, I think the first point that um, that Michigan State played against them in the Spartan invite, they had like six, seven catches. So they, they are, even though they have fewer numbers, I mean, obviously they'd prefer to have 15, 15 above average players, but even with ten, they're still a dangerous team, and they could still take down a lot of the teams in this country. Yeah, I agree, uh, especially with their catching ability. Um, with Ohio State, no offense, guys, being a little bit on the more power-throwing side and not their traditional catching, yeah. I'd say Central's the best catching team in the country. Probably. Uh, when you got Wes Peters, Brett Hadwin, and Bryce, who were catching everything against us, and they're doing everything against Grand Valley, too, I'm sure, and uh, Bowling Green and Miami. And, and then you have uh, a number 15. I don't know his name. I'm sorry, um, but – he blocked everything. I think he blocked your throw like at least 15, I, 20 I, times. You know, and he and he knew it too. And 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 we had like a little friendly rivalry going on uh, because that was just it was defense and catching that was primary with them. They didn't get a lot of they didn't get a lot of you know big hits you know below the below the waist or below the the knee or anything like that. But they they played really good defense and and really good catching and the three facets of the game, defense, catching, and throwing, if you do two as well as you did, or if, if a team does two of those, meaning defense, catching, and throwing, if a team does two of those well, they're, they're going to at least be competitive with most teams in this nation. Yep. Uh, Chips really impressed me um, at our tournament, but we'll talk about that more later. Uh, and then Grand Valley went 3-0. No, not surprised. Um, this is a good team. They still were down like six or seven varsity players for what Mark told me. Um, so for them to go and beat Central Michigan, for them to go and beat Saginaw, that's pretty impressive. Um, and they beat Bowling Green as well, I think. But uh, dropping that first point, the Saginaw Valley kind of gave them a little confidence. Turned out to be a little a bit of a harder match than we anticipated it would be. Um, and now Mark is kind of worried that, uh, I don't know, they, he's saying that they've got a hard time um, with injuries right now. So, uh, hopefully, you don't want to see a team lose because of injuries. I'm not saying yeah. that they lost their match that they lost because of injuries, but you don't want to see a team lose players because due to injury or do not come. Like, when I play a team, I want them to have their best 20 exactly. players. Exactly. Um, one of the things that I touched on last podcast was that they've always found a way to – but not place fillers, but people who can still make an impact in the place. So even though, I mean, there are a few players that, that are irreplaceable on that team um, as far as physical talent goes, but they've always found a way to put players who aren't just placeholders, who aren't just people on the court who are going to pass the ball off, who are going to actually make somewhat of a difference. They've always found a way to put people on, you know, more so than, let's say, you know, if if Central Michigan has has – you know, five subs that, you know, are, are suitable subs. They have, you know, 15 – Grand Valley has 15 subs. So that are suitable, you know, above average, you know, people who, who buy with it, buy into the system that they're playing uh, because that's that's what it boils down to is that's the most important thing. If, if the people who are playing with them don't buy into their system, their whole system is going to crumble. I mean, because they are a very well-tuned organization and they, they – 
play from the top down all together, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Grand Valley is probably the most like well-oiled machine team that we have in the league right now. Um, they got the power throws, they got catchers, they got everything. So the fact that they went three and out of the Bowling Green tournament, especially at a tournament where they've had so much success, uh, <laughs> they won the um, the last year's Bowling Green invite. They won Nationals 2010 at Bowling Green. Uh, it's basically their home away from home at this point. So, uh, so let's go to the Maryland tournament. Um, Kent State, uh, they were down like five varsity players from what I was told. Uh, they still went 4-0. Great result for them. Uh, I think they're defending or back-to-back Maryland invite champions. James Madison went 3-1-1 one, one, with that one loss being a overtime loss to Kent State. Kentucky went 2-1 um, with their one loss being to James Madison. And again, that was called early. We'll Talk about that. Uh, part two, probably. Um, Maryland went two and two. Towson went one and three. And first year school, VCU went 0 and four. Uh, Kent State played really well, from what I was told. Um, even though they're down those players, and this is their first tournament of, uh, would be first tournament of three and four weeks. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll talk about their little, their next tournament later in the next podcast, actually. Um, but it's still an, a really impressive run to go on three tournaments, three significant traveling tournaments in four weeks. That's still, I mean, this one uh, was the first one, so their arms are still fresh, but s- still, that's that's quite the feat. So this threw them back into first place in the NCDA, uh, just like they were last season. Um, one player who's really impressing me this season, and I'm ready to, st- ready to go on bold predictions that he's top six player in the country, Camden Fulmer. Kid's got an arm. He can catch. Who was I talking to? I don't remember who I was talking to. But we we were talking, and we said, oh, I think it was Mark. And we said, this kid reminds me of those Central Michigan players. Like, he's like Pat Fisher and Eric Sweet. Like, he's athletic. He's one of the most athletic kids in the league. He throws hard. He catches. He leads well. Um, he's really impressing me. And then, also, Machine Gun and uh, Cameron blocking everything. Dan Shackelford played a lot better in our tournament than he did at the Ohio State round robin. Um, these guys are a good team. Uh, I know apparently I've been getting a little slack for uh, – <laughs> or flack for not uh, – yeah, I get enough credit, but, you know, here's your credit. You guys are playing pretty well. You're number one in the country for a reason, so. Yeah, they – after the Ohio State tournament, I – I believe I said that 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 was an off day for them, and expect them to return to return to more Kent State like form, and I think they've done that. Um, it's not like they're number one in the nation and just beating up on teams that don't win at all. I mean, they're they're playing quality. They have a they have a tough schedule right now, and they're playing quality teams and they're getting quality wins. I mean, <clears throat> James Madison's not a bad team, and you know they ended up winning in overtime, which. I mean, I I personally haven't been in an overtime um, game under the new rules, but I can only imagine how stressful it is. Uh, I've watched one. They, uh, Kent State also beat Saginaw in overtime at Ohio State, so they're not playing you know any pushovers or anything like that. They're they're playing a quality schedule. They're not necessarily winning. You know, they lost against UK. They lost against Michigan State twice. So they're not winning everything, but but they're getting the best for they're getting the most benefit from every tournament they, they that they go to, um, in terms of that they're getting the experience against the top teams in the nation and they're beating mid to top teams as well as the teams that they're supposed to beat. 
Yeah, and I also think that they're also getting like a lot of experience playing different play styles, which is huge for nationals. Yes. Like, if you're, like, um, West Kentucky, I think in their podcast they mentioned that all they're doing is playing Kentucky over and over again, so they're, like, basically making the whole strategy how to be Kentucky. Which, if you can figure out how to do that, that's good, but because they're one of the top teams in the nation. Um, but, I mean, if in, uh, if on day two, um, day two of nationals, you know, let's say Kentucky plays really, really fast and you play someone like Saginaw who decides to slow it way down, that's that's going to be that's going to be dangerous for you because you're so used to playing so fast. So Kent State is is getting the best of both worlds. They're playing Saginaw and Kentucky and getting a, a feel of both how they and not only are they playing them just once, they're they're playing them over and over and over again. Especially you know at, they were at the uh, the Ohio State invite, they were at uh, the UMD tournament, they were at the Spartan invite, and I believe are they going to the CDO? No, they're not going to the CDO, but they're going to the Kentucky invite the Kentucky. The, this coming weekend. Uh, this coming wow, this coming weekend. That's I still can barely lift my arm above my head. So kudos to everyone from Kent who they must have a lot of icy hot down in Kent because I personally would not be able to do three tournaments in four weekends. That's that's a lot of driving and it's a lot of throwing. But uh, Kent, you know they're good. But let me play with Devil's Advocate for a second. Okay. So so far as I haven't really looked at their schedule, but of the best teams they played, we can say they've played. Kentucky. Saginaw Valley, Kentucky, Michigan State twice, James Madison. Yeah. Right? Probably the top four. Yeah. Okay. So they beat Saginaw Valley, which is good. Yeah. But this is a weak, depleted Saginaw Valley team. That's way different than they've played. Now, I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'm just saying this is my devil advocate role. Okay. They lost Michigan State twice. Yeah. They lost Ken- Kentucky. All, I believe all of them were close games. Or within two points of each other. Right? No. Kentucky, well, well, against Michigan, against State, Michigan State, we beat them three nothing, and then two nothing, two nothing, and then uh, Kentucky beat them three one, three one. Okay, yeah. so within two points. Yeah, and three, then overtime. Well, there's three points. The one there. Right, I know. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, whatever, three whatever, whatever. One is two. whatever. You're ruining my devil. <laughs> All right, so, um, <laughs> and then it took them overtime to beat James Madison. Right. So are they? You know, they're obviously getting these wins, but have they really like? Boom, blown up and ex- like they're not they're not like Oregon football. They're more like Kansas right State there. football. <laughs> and I personally think Oregon is better than Kansas State. So, what do you I, think about that? I mean, I'm happy with being either two or three in the nation. So <laughs> personally, I don't care who I am. But you know, they're not as flashy as let's say Oregon is. You know, using the football analogy, they're not as flashy, but they get it done and they get it done. You know, well, I mean, Grand, if Grand Valley's the most well-oiled machine in the league, I'd say Kent's, you know, up there with them. They play very well together. Again, their defense is outstanding. So, you know, they don't have, like, the, the, win, like the win over Grand Valley, the really signature win that's going to propel them. But I, I, I will not say that I don't think it'll happen this year. I think that it's, it's a definite possibility that they could take down – you know, a Saginaw or uh, a Grand Valley, some of the top teams in the league, they don't have it yet, but from the way I've seen them play, they definitely have the potential to get there. If, they, if, if they're able to put it all together um, on the same day, like, you know, they'll always play good defense, and they'll catch pretty well most of the time. And if, you know, if Camden's having a great day, you know, if Dan's having a great day, then honestly, I think that Kent State could get that to, to – a word from you, the boom win 
um, and and really make a make a statement for themselves. Okay, that's good. I, I would say they do have the the ability to beat Grand Valley this year, or Saginaw Valley, or Michigan State, or Kentucky. Um, so, and I do think it's funny that you said that they're not the flashy team when their nickname is the Golden Flashes. Okay. But <laughs> um, James Madison went three one and one. The one and one just means one loss, guys. Just for the record. Um, so uh, they lost to James or lost to Kent State in overtime. That's a good result for them, I'd say. Just you know, yeah, they didn't get the win, but you still got a point, which is pretty crucial in these standings. Um, yeah, the beat Kentucky, we'll talk about that in the next part of the podcast, the second part, or 23.5, I guess we'll call it, and then, um, they also beat up on Maryland, Towson, and VCU, I think, no, I, th- I don't know who they played, um, they played two of Maryland, Towson, and VCU, I don't really hear very much about how they played, just how they acted, so I don't know how to, yeah, I, I mean, all I know is um, from what I saw last year, and things. I mean, they're still uh, a talented team. That there's no one's taking that away from them. Uh, I just, I nobody really told things. Sort of got lost in all the hubbub of everything. So I didn't really get uh, an analysis from the people that I talk to on a regular basis in the league. So uh, I'm gonna reserve more specific judgment until later. As I'm looking forward to playing them at the CDL. Um, I think that'll be a good match, and I think that you know, I think they're one of the teams in the nation that that is going to be one of those games that that people are gunning for them, and that pe- because they know they're a good team, and you know, with people gunning for them, it's going to be they're going to be you know hard, more hard fought matches. You know, Kent ended up taking him down, but <clears throat> if Kent was having an off day and on a regular, you know, against a team of similar caliber, you know, Kent would lose. Well, now that you know Kent's. Kent says, okay, they're a team, they're a newer team who's got a lot of talent, uh, meaning James Madison's a newer team with a lot of talent, then, you know, they'll they'll reach back and throw a little extra harder, they'll they'll come up with a more clutch catch. That's just how our team works, that's how I work. So, um, again, I don't really know that much about their performance, so I'm going to I'm going to reserve my analysis uh, until more data is compiled. Um, I do think it's funny, though, uh, at least for the regular season. Um, I didn't look this up to make sure, but I looked at the regular season. I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, so 99% sure it's true. Um, James Madison, two years in the league, only teams they've lost to, Kent and Kentucky. Pretty good record. Pretty good record. Um, I don't know if they just have a hard time with teams that have ball possession because it's like Kentucky and uh, Kent State's MO right now is to have a lot of ball possession, but – you know, if they can only just lose to those two teams, you know, put them on one half of the bracket, put them on the other half, put James Madison on the other half, and James Madison could, could go, for the could go for the title, yeah. Um, Kentucky went 2-1 and one from what uh, my sources tell me, a.k.a. Zach Brown. Um, They're down about half the roster. Not even half. They brought one player from the BGS, or from the OSU round robin, and the rest is just new guys, is what I, is what I was told. Um, they still still beat a couple of East Coast schools and lost to James Madison. Um, but still, that's that's great experience. That's that's great experience for those people. And you know, we talk about depth so often in this league. You know, Grand Valley's got some injuries. Grand Valley, you know, a couple of guys can't make a tournament. Um, so we talk about how valuable their depth is. But Kentucky now, 
you know, they've had a couple of, they've had two guys that I can think of with concussions, you know. So this depth that they're getting is is probably, you know, their record may not be 3 and 0 or 4 and 0 like they wanted it to be, but I think that the wins that they got plus the experience that they got for people who are brand new to this league, I think that's almost as valuable if not more valuable because I remember my first tournament playing in this league I walked out there and they said the word dodgeball and everyone ran for the balls on the line and I was just like holy crap like this is going I think I forgot who we played my first tournament but uh we would have played your first tournament yeah we our first game would have been Bowling Green okay but um I just remember the first time I got hit it was uh right in the in the side of the head and I was like, all right, this is for real. I got I to gotta learn how to do this now. So I think that having 15 guys that get that experience, I think that's very valuable. Not quite as valuable as a win, but almost. Um, so it's not going to reflect in, this, in the standings now, but it may reflect in the standings later. Yeah. Um, and Kentucky, I think, is playing the second most games out of everybody. They're currently number two in the country, so it wouldn't shock me if they were number two in the country at the end of the season. Or number one. Or number one, yeah. If um, I mean, Kent State's playing a significant amount of games too, but Kentucky goes 20-1, and one, you know. Possible. It's, it's possible. So, uh, Maryland, still don't get it back to me. Maryland, if you're listening to this, still looking for uh, info. info. Um. But I guess they did a good job hosting the tournament other than refereeing. It's just something else we'll, we'll talk about later. It happens. It happens. We'll everybody everybody screws up refereeing, so don't worry about it, Maryland. Um, you guys shouldn't feel bad about what happened. So, okay. um, But they went 2-2, two two, good results. Um, I think they beat Towson at VCU and then lost to a couple of the other schools, like the more power schools. Um, the uh, – um, Towson, let me get this guy's name real quick. I finally found who the captain is. His name. Oh, no, my internet is down. No. Okay, shoot. I think it's Sean Smith. No. Um, oh, shoot. It's not Seth. We know it's not Seth. I feel so bad right now. You're not. Yeah. It's, I think it's Sean Smith. It's something Smith. So, um, and uh, Shaw, I think it's the other guy, the other captain. So they did well. They went one and three. I think their win was over VCU, um, which is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, if they, teams that are the the first year, your first year in the league, you are not expected to do well. It's just the the foundation and the building blocks. So, I mean, that they. Thousands the second year school by the way. I know what I'm saying, but they beat VCU, who's a first year team. Um, I just want to clear my. Right. Opinion. No, I I got it. I appreciate that. Listeners at home were probably confused as well, but they beat a first year team who who probably has some good talent. They've got a captain who's very enthusiastic and who's trying to learn a lot. So it's it's kind of kind of the age-old thing. You beat who you're supposed to and you beat 50% of the toss-ups. So if they keep doing that, you know, they've they've got a decent shot of of getting a good seed for the first day of the tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um you know, I don't know how many more matches they'll get. I think they'll play the Beast and I think they're going to play like James Madison or Maryland again. Um but, you know, It'll be interesting to see how well they play at Nationals. Yeah. Uh, VCU, you know. It's, it's yeah. tough. I mean, your first tournament ever, like I said, that it was that first holy crap moment when people are throwing 65 right, bas- right by your face. I mean, 
it's 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 tough. Again, that experience that they got, you know, the next their next tournament, they're gonna be they're gonna be significantly better because they're gonna take what they learned at the tournament. They're gonna go to practice and they're gonna say, okay, let's not do this anymore, and let's do this now. And you know, I I'm pegging them to win at least two games this year. Um, so prove me right, guys. Hear that? That's our first guarantee of the Average Joe podcast. <laughs> I I predicted. It's not a guarantee. I predicted. He guaranteed it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, VCU, Chidi, don't feel bad that you guys lost. Uh, happens every first year school. Um, James Madison, Western Illinois, Grand Valley, those are exceptions to the rule, not. Not the standard. Yeah, not not the standard. So, we'll move to the Battle of the Brown Line. We'll just kind of cruise through this one because we're kind of running low on time right now for the first half already. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, guys. Um, Moody beat DePaul three to two. Um, we both thought that Moody would be the best team in the West. Um, so the fact that uh, Moody beat DePaul didn't really surprise me. They had a cool video in which a dodgeballer fought Bane. That was kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Why have I not seen this? It's on, it's on the NCDA page. Why have I not seen this? Watch it later. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to yeah. it now. Um, <coughs> and they had a, like a battle of the mustaches gladiator type thing and stuff. So that was cool. Um, then on November 3rd, Kentucky played at Western Kentucky. Uh, first West Kentucky home match since Nationals 2011, I believe. Uh, Kentucky still put up four points, just like the last time in West Kentucky. But this time, West Kentucky scored two points. They're learning. They're learning. They're getting better. Next time will be four to three. That is my guarantee. Oh, my God. Four to three win. Two guarantees in, like, two minutes? What are we doing? So, Kentucky brought their best roster. Um, I watched the video of that match. It's not like, uh, you know – I think West Kentucky is going to be the same boat they were in last year. I looked at their schedule. Um, they played the U.K. invite, and then other than that, they just play Kentucky again. They don't like, have any other random matches or tournaments. Um, so I, I got a feeling that they're going to be like one or two and five this season and be like the 14 seed at Nationals and maybe pull off an upset on the three, three oh, seed. Yeah, like, so whoever is – Going to play them in the first round of nationals because of just how crap we are standings are working right now. Um, don't take them lightly. Don't yeah, don't take them lightly. This is a good team. I watched the video. Good team. Kentucky, great team. Um, yeah. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they look pretty good. Um, Wildcats have a lot of power throwers, some deception, good teamwork, good ball possession. So. Uh, we'll talk about them in the second half of the podcast a little bit more. Do you have anything else to add on this game? Uh, I just – I'm curious to see, again, like I'm not, not going to make a guarantee about what the score is going to be, but I'm just curious to see how this progression is going to go. You know, when you play a team enough times, and I'm sure they've got some sort of rivalry going on, I'm sure that I'm sure that this is going to be something we should keep our eyes on. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, we'll go to the MSU invite next. Um, Michigan State went 4-0. Uh, Kent State went three and one. CMU with ten guys again went one and two. BGSU went one and three. DePaul went zero and three. But as always, they are still undefeated. So um, we'll start with who do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with BGSU. Okay, BGSU is not signed to me. Um, I thought they were really top heavy. I'll be honest. Yes. I um, I they're they're top two guys. Um, Brady was one of them and. I believe if I'm maybe tw- number 25 had a pretty good arm, 
if I can remember correctly. Um, they, I mean, they were pretty, they were pretty dangerous, uh, and they were able to pick off, you know, by themselves, you know, two, three Spartans at a time when we played them. So, um, but the the talent drop off that they had was uh, was somewhat significant. That it was hard for BGSU to recover from. You know, if if Brady, you know, got out because somebody potentially screened him or, or something that – kind of one of those outs that you're kind of like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. It was kind of hard for them, for BGSU to recover. So um, I, I definitely think that there's a good amount of talent there. I just think that, that they need to uh, – theme of the day, depth, get a little bit more depth, and and then they'll be definitely able to, to hang with some of, the, some of the bigger teams in the nation. I also think they need a little bit more strategy. Um this isn't a knock against their captaincy or anything, but it seemed like they've thrown a lot solos, a lot of solo throws, and uh, we caught them a lot. And uh, when I watched Kent State, they caught them a lot too. Kent State caught Bowling Green a lot. Um, and there's one time where they threw like four catches in a minute against Kent State when it was like when they had a man advantage in the first half. They only put the first half of the match, but um, and then we'll go with. Kent. Okay. We'll, we'll go to the high schools first. Um, Kent impressed me. Uh, I thought they played a lot better against us at the MSU invite than they did at the OSU round robin. Oh, by like, by far. I mean, they not to say that they, they played horribly at the OSU invite, but they had an off day. I mean, we beat them, Michigan State beat them 3 to nothing, and it was, it was clear that Kent had an off day. Um, Michigan State was able to beat Kent 2 to nothing at the MSU invite, and um, they played a lot better, like a lot better. Uh, I still see a lot of untapped potential in them. Um, I don't think that that they're gonna they're gonna get swept by by the top five teams in the nation. You know, Kentucky, Grand Valley. I don't think that they'll go the whole season without beating any of them. I'm sticking with my previous prediction and saying that they will be able to beat one of those teams just because. Yeah, they didn't play their best, but when they do put it all together, I believe that they will have a, a much better time of it. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, when you got two power throwers like Camden and Dan Shackelford, you can kind of hang with a lot of teams just with pure output. Plus, I have number eight, I think. Either eight or nine. He's a little lefty guy who's like, he's no offense, he's a little short, but he throws really hard. <laughs> uh, and when I say short, he's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, it's not like he's that short. He's just shorter than me. So, um, oh, were you like five eleven? Six foot. Thank oh, you, you very much. Look at my driver's license. Um, <laughs> yes, and we do get to pick what we what number our driver's license is, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, they impressed me. Uh, I like the fact that they have a couple guys that can block really well. Um, that are just like not like out there thinking, oh, I'm gonna go throw guys out. Their whole their whole purpose is just like they're just like I love blocking balls. It's so frustrating. <laughs> like as a like I'm primarily a thrower, and it's so frustrating because like. My personal bread and butter is on counters and and stuff, and and I'll get I'll get a guy on on the run, and I'm like, oh, he's mine, he's all mine, and then I I throw at him, and all of a sudden this guy this kid just comes out with the ball he's been holding for a good five minutes, just blocking everything. I mean, if they got a point, you know, in like personal statistics per blocks, and you know, point for kills, point for catches, their their blockers, I mean, obviously would be higher, but I mean, it would be excessively high I mean compared to every other team in the nation you know we we get we get a good amount of blocks we block for our teammates but but Kent State it's so frustrating as a player it's just I I mean it's a good strategy don't get me wrong I'm speaking purely as a player here it's just it's just so frustrating so 
I mean, keep up what you're doing, but stop it when you play us because it's so <laughs> annoying. Yeah, um, but I think as a Kent State player, it's got to be awesome. Oh, like, yeah, I can only Just imagine. to know you have people having your back the whole time and they can stop anything that's going to hit you. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Dan Shackelford and Kevin Fulmer, but they have some other good throwers. Um, I think number 11, I feel like he used to play for Ohio State, but I'm not sure. He like kind of looks like he did. Like, <laughs> he just got that look to him, that Ohio State look to no, him. No, like, he, he looks like a guy that used to play for him, so I'm not sure if, they, if they're the same person or not. But, um, And then uh, – yeah, see me. Okay. Well, I guess we're kind of out of Kent State time, but whatever. Okay. We're good. All right. Uh, Central Michigan, 10 players. Still played really well. Still be Bowling Green again. Um, we threw. From what I was told, they lost 4 to nothing to Kent, but they didn't really try all that hard is what I was told. Like, they were tired and their arms tired and stuff, yeah. and which I don't, you know, <coughs> it happens. Like Especially after a long tournament. Yeah, especially with only 10 players. And then our game was eight to one. Uh, I'm sorry for running the score, but we're trying to make it a little more even in the whole point differential thing. Now we're only down by th- what four points in the last five years. So. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> the career averages are still beating us. Oh, that's that's frustrating. Yeah, but they really impressed me. Um, well, I mean, especially with only ten players. I think the first because we ended up dropping the first points of them. Um, so it was one nothing, and then we ended up getting eight straight points. Um, but Central, I honestly believe that they, th- that we, th- Michigan State threw seven eight catches in the first point alone, and and I mean not all. I mean some of them like Sam Hiller's throw that took like three seconds to get to the guy. Hey, this is right after I threw a Bryce Bella. Okay. Oh, okay. I was feeling really confident. To be to be fair, I I have to get off track for a little bit. To be fair, the throw that he got out. Bryce was literally like Bryce was looking the other way and then saw it and he's like, oh wow, I have like five seconds to prepare for Sam Hiller's throw coming in and then he threw it and then it just hit his chest and he like swooped his arms around and he just missed the ball and Sam walked back like, oh yeah, I just threw out one of the best players in the league and I'm sitting there like, you know that nine times out of ten he's going to catch you and then just laugh at you. So then another one of the catches that we threw, Sam Hiller's like, oh, I just got out Bryce. I can get out anyone. So he's feeling all confident and stuff. And he goes ahead and throws one that literally takes three seconds. And the guy on Central was like, hey, I think there's a ball about to hit you. You should turn around right now, and it's going to hit you still in three seconds after I'm done with this sentence. And then he caught it. So, I mean. Okay, they, yeah. <laughs> that, one was, that one was really my fault. But, um, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, but, yeah, Sorry. it's all right. I mean, we still got the broadcast effect that, you know, I did actually throw somebody out for once, which is kind of an accomplishment for me. I think you had more th- more throwing kills than you did catching kills. I did. I had, uh, like, 12 or 15 kills, okay. and I had only six catches, and they're all against DePaul. So that shows you how bad I played last weekend. Um, but outside of just that, uh, Central Michigan, good team. Um, if they can get, like, four or five more players, they'll be back in the top four oh, in the country. Absolutely. You know, and the, uh, back to the point that I was um, making before I made fun of Sam a lot, um, the throws that we were making weren't necessarily bad throws against Central. I mean, there were a, there were a lot of ones that that are one of our best throwers threw it and threw it. It started at his waist and dipped down towards his shins, and uh, the Central player just. 
just dropped to dropped to his knees and scooped it up and came up with an amazing catch. So they, it's not like we were just throwing balls willy nilly and they were catching. They were they were a very good catching squad. So they need a couple more uh, couple more arms. Uh, they also need Bryce to be healthy, to be healthy um, because or for him to try to grip because. I don't know if he wasn't healthy or if he just his was shoulder, not gripping. His shoulder was hurting. His shoulder was hurting? Okay. I saw, I saw him grip throw one, and as soon as he threw it, he, like, grabbed his shoulder and looked like he was in pain. So, um, yeah, he uh, – I mean, because I remember last year he was throwing, and, and it hurt. Uh, so, and, I mean, he was – and he was palm throwing a lot um, to take it easy on his shoulder. And, it, I mean, it wasn't, you know, the – I mean, it wasn't the worst throw in the world, but it wasn't a Bryce throw. It wasn't, you know – the, the quick and the, the snappy uh, throw that, that I'm used to seeing him throw. Because I actually talked to our rookies, and one of the rookies was like, because we all, in the huddle, we said, okay, he is the big thrower because we didn't know he was injured at the time. And I told our rookie after one point, the rookie's like, he didn't throw that hard. And I was like, if he wants to throw at you and he wants to throw at you hard, he will light you up. So if they get him healthy and they get a couple more throwers, I mean, they're right back in the mix. Okay. What's we wish to say now because we're running really low on time? Um I thought we played really well. Yeah. Uh, uh, we went 4-0. We can't say it again. Beat Central Michigan finally. Thank God. Um, so annoying to keep losing to them. So it's nice to finally beat them. Um, beat Bowling Green. Beat DePaul. Uh, the uh, the team played really well. Uh, we moved into number two in the country, which is cool. Um, yeah, anything else to add? Well, I would just like to point out that since we instituted the ritual of sitting down for a rest after every victory, we have not lost. We call it the victory sit. Every time we win, the team meets back, and instead of our standard huddle where we just stand around, we sit down, stupid as it sounds, we sit down, and we still have not lost after that. So I'm just we're going to keep that alive, hopefully. Yeah, and you just jinxed it. Um, it doesn't matter that we play Grand Valley at Grand Valley next. If we lose, it's going to be because you just jinxed that. So, okay. um, I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. Um. Yeah, we had a great day. Um, it was unfortunately the last home turn for Andrew Kozar and Chris Kramer, who are two of our better players. But, uh, you know, we definitely are proving to be a good team this yep. year, unlike last year, I think. so. Um, and then hopefully um, about DePaul, uh, unfortunately during the last game of the day, um, one of the players on DePaul uh, fell and dislocated her shoulder. Uh, which was very unfortunate to see. Um, I actually messaged Zygmus and asked him how she was doing. Uh, she, he said that she, uh, she was uh, better. They put it back in place in the hospital, and I think he said that she was in a sling right now. Um, hopefully it gets better because he actually told me that she's on scholarship for softball. So we're hoping a uh, quick and speedy recovery for her, um, and hopefully everything goes well. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, feel better, 51. I think her name is Sweet. So. Yeah, Sweet. That was definitely it. Yeah. All right, so um, Battle of the Valleys, probably the most shocking, like, what happened thing. I mean, okay, all right. Saginaw Valley, really good team. I thought Grand Valley was going to win. Um, the rest of the rest of this stuff, I think, kind of went to schedule. Like, okay, Grand Valley number one, the BJSU tournament. Kent won the Maryland tournament. Moody beat the Paul. Kentucky West, Kentucky Michigan State won the MSU invite. Those are all, like, according to plan, like what you would think would happen. Grand Valley losing to Saginaw Valley after they beat them like five to one at Bowling Green was just like what? Like, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't, it wasn't like, like the earth just became flat again, yeah, or anything like that. But 
I mean, it, it surprised me a little bit. Uh, I was not surprised to see a close game. I was predicting, you know, I thought that the first game that they played was a little bit of an outlier between uh, Saginaw and Grand Valley, um, being 5-1 to one or whatever it was. Uh, I predicted um, a 2-1 to one or 3-1 to one finish. Um, if you would have told me, you know, uh, to pick somebody before it happened, I would have picked Grand Valley personally, um, but in a close match. So I was a little surprised, but I wasn't, you know, sitting there saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this just happened. I said, wow, you know, Saginaw really came to play, and Saginaw showed that they're, they've still got it. I'm just saying, like, I thought after winning, like, 4 or 5 to 1 at Bowling Green, I thought it would be like, Three to one or two to one, like what you're saying, like it'd be close, but like Grand Valley win. I thought if it was two one, like Grand Valley take the first two points in the first half and then kind of just like, kind of like you know just play it easy in the second half a little bit, play it mellow. Yeah. Um, but Saginaw, they won. Um, Jordan Elliott played well. I didn't know he was on the team, so welcome back, Jordan. Uh, Spencer played really well. Um, from what Mark told me, uh, they got really good, like some really good catches to stay in one point to not give up a point before the first half ended um those are huge those are huge yeah like one of them he said was uh i think it's on the his article he wrote for the ncda website but like tory got a catch while he was getting hit to bring jordan back in and then jordan got a catch to bring like amy miller back in and then that just was just like wow like and when you have the fan support that Sacramento valley does they could be anybody yeah um I think with this win, you can throw Saginaw Valley back up there in national no, championship discussion. Easily. Easy, anyone who, easy. Anyone who, beats, anyone who beats Grand Valley is definitely in the discussion. I mean, easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, for this, I had them as like a Final Four national quarterfinalist team. But this, you know, I'd say they're probably top three in the team in the country, um, along with Grand Valley and Kentucky. So, um, Grand Valley, though, obviously with – Missing some players due to injury and stuff. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be a little, little down from what they thought, but they're still gonna be a good team. Still gonna be a great team, actually. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they can still keep winning. So. Well, that's the uh, that's what's happened since the last podcast. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this one. Uh, my name is Mike Van Ehrman, signing off along with Sam Hiller. Uh, look out for Average Joe's podcast uh, 23.5. We're going to go over uh, things including uh, the UK invite that's about to happen, um, uh, uh, a couple of issues such as sportsmanship and the governing body that have been discussed on the forum, uh, an RPI, a potential RPI um, that one of Michigan State's players has been developing, um, and refereeing issues. Um, so look all, look for all that, and uh, thank you for listening. My name is Mike Van Ehrman, along with your uh, co-host, Sam Hiller. Thank you very much.